goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is April 24th. Oh, man, I, I, I apologize. I did not mean to take uh, time off. I was finishing finals. I had a personal health issue. I want to explain that because I think it's, I don't want to just say in passing health. I try to always tell you guys what's going on. Basically, blood was coming out of areas that blood should not come out of. That scared me a lot. I looked up all these you know, kidney failures. I, I was terrified. I figured it out, went to the doctor. It's all right. And then I had to drive six hours to go home, drop off half my stuff. I'm in the middle of moving. I'm in the middle of finals. It's a mess. I apologize. I'm doing a podcast today and again tomorrow to preview the NFL draft. I feel kind of like a caged animal. Like I just... Uh, I've been I've been driving for you know 13 hours all weekend and I'm like I have to I, I'm listening to sports I, I sports all around me and I wanted to talk about the things going on it's been driving me nuts I do want to say I'm doing the Lamar Jackson topic tomorrow tomorrow we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson in depth it's going to be a very large portion of the show but today I want to I want to talk a lot about the NBA playoffs a little bit of, of quarterback stuff but right now the, the NBA playoffs are just grabbing my attention I have so much to talk about. The NFL draft is this week. Oh my goodness. I, I just, what a great time to be a sports fan, in my opinion. It's, it's really, really exciting. Okay. Okay. I want to, I want to start with this. I want to start by playing a clip and there's a backstory to this clip. I tried to do a podcast yesterday. I got in trouble. I got in trouble with my building, got a noise complaint. It drives me nuts, but whatever. Like it's, I have a week and a half left in this building. I'm about to leave. So I sat on it and one of the things before I played the clip, I was going to play the clip on the podcast yesterday. I was afraid that it was kind of unfair. I was afraid it was a little bit harsh. And then I, we watched game four of the Thunder versus the Jazz. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is not unfair. This is a huge, huge storyline from this game. I want to play a clip from Russell Westbrook. This is Russell Westbrook after game three, the Thunder versus the Jazz the Thunder lost to the Jazz in Game 3, and Ricky Rubio had a fantastic fourth quarter. This is what Russell Westbrook had to say. Uh, he made some shots, um, you know, too comfortable. Uh, but I'm going to shut that shit off next game, though. Guarantee that. All right, so I woke up this morning, and I look on Instagram, and I see on ESPN's Instagram, there's a post praising Russell Westbrook's effort. Look at the effort Russell Westbrook gave against Ricky Rubio. Wasn't it great? And, and I look at the stats. Ricky Rubio was held to 13 points. He was only 4 for 12 shooting. And you would think, oh, wow, everybody's praising him for his... He talked smack, then he backed it up with effort. You would think, oh, that clearly, that's, that had a huge impact on the game, right? No. No, it, it, it didn't. Uh, the Thunder lost 113 to 96. Uh, and there, there's footage of Russell Westbrook running all over the place, all after Ricky Rubio. And, and I want to ask the question, why wouldn't he do this to Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell, the fantastic rookie for the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell had 33 points. Why was Russell Westbrook not giving all that effort to Donovan Mitchell? Because I, I just look at Russell Westbrook and I see a guy with a personal vendetta, this ego. And he's got to protect his ego at all costs. He got showed up in game three, so he's going to come out game four. He doesn't even care about Donovan Mitchell. He's just going to shut down Ricky Rubio. Hey, Russell, scoreboard, you lost. It didn't work. It drives me nuts. I, I don't understand. Why does everybody love Russell Westbrook? And Russell Westbrook gets so much love. Everybody thinks he's the greatest player since sliced bread. 
I, I'm going to play a clip later. I think he's actually a bad superstar. I don't know that he's that. I just, uh, I don't, I don't get it. So two weeks ago, I said, Russell Westbrook tries to do everything and it hurts him. I compared Russell Westbrook to a chef on Gordon Ramsay's show. There was a chef on Gordon Ramsay's show. He was trying to do everything. He would not let his assistant chef help him and it hurt the food. Remember, a head chef's job is not to do everything. A head chef's job is to put out good food. Just like Russell Westbrook's job is not to do everything. It's not to look out for himself. Russell Westbrook's job is to win games. This is where I want to go back to game two because I saw something. I've been, I've been kind of like a caged animal. I haven't talked about sports in a couple days. It's dri- been driving me nuts. So game two between the Thunder and the Jazz. Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, the big three for the Thunder. They lost game two, and they were 0-4 for 4 shooting in the fourth quarter. And I watched this game, and I want to tell you guys what I saw. This may be old news now, but it actually keeps, it's a, a theme that keeps coming back over and over and over again for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The big three for the Thunder. When the going gets tough, when, when it's, uh, the big moment comes about, they stop working together. They play isolation basketball. They do their own thing. They are not working together. Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. In late in games, when the game is on the line, they do not work together. They do their own thing. It's, it's really, really hurting them. I'm really happy that Russell Westbrook shut down Ricky Rubio, but that doesn't actually equate to winning games. You still lost. The Thunder lost 113-96. to 96. It's not good. It's not good at all. It's driving me nuts. How about this? In game three, Ricky Rubio, he went crazy in the fourth quarter. Russell Westbrook was only five for 17 shooting. 29% shooting in the game. In the fourth quarter, Russell Westbrook missed four shots. His only two points in the fourth quarter came on free throws. I I just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. Russell Westbrook clearly yesterday went out with a personal vendetta and it didn't work. It didn't actually help the team. I think Russell Westbrook puts Russell Westbrook before his own team, and that is not cool. Because Russell Westbrook wants to look good. I'm going to shut down Ricky Rubio. I'm going to talk all this smack, and I'm going to back it up. I'm glad you did, man. I'm really glad, but it didn't actually help your team win games. Donovan Mitchell went for 33 points. How about putting some defensive effort into that guy? It just, oh, man, I, I don't get it. If you want more proof that they're doing it on their own, this is a stat line from last night. Game four stat line, Russell Westbrook. Seven, seven for 18, seven for 18. That's only 38% shooting, 23 points, zero three-pointers. He was nine for 11 from free throws. That's how he got most of his points. Now, Paul George is more interesting. Paul George, nine for 21, two for nine with, from three-point range. So Paul George shot 42% on the game. He had 32 points. He was 12 for 12 with free throws. Now, that sounds okay. That's not great. So it's not terrible. Russell Westbrook, 23 points. Paul George, 32 points. You know what's even more scary? So you would think these guys, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, they are veterans. They've been in the league a long time. They, they get it, right? Donovan Mitchell, a rookie last night. A 21-year-old rookie in his first year in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, 13 for 28 shooting. 46%. Better than both Paul George and Russell Westbrook. 33 points. I understand Donovan Mitchell is kind of by himself, but he still, Donovan Mitchell outplayed both Paul George and Russell Westbrook last night. At least outscored them. It's not good. And the fact that now the Thunder are losing. They're down 3-1 to one to the Utah 
Jazz. That is just disgusting. If if the Thunder lose this series, it has everything to say. It's less about the Jazz and more about the Thunder blowing it. That late in games, when it mattered the most, the Oklahoma City Thunder could not work together. They did not make it happen. Because you have Steven Adams, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George. Who do, who do the Utah Jazz have? They have what? They have Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio, Rudy Gobert. I mean, come on, guys. How? How are the Thunder losing 3-1 to one to the Utah Jazz? I think it has everything to say about the way they play. They do not play together. They do not work together. When the going gets tough, they try to do everything by themselves. They don't work together. They play a lot of isolation basketball. Watch the fourth quarter of every single one of their losses. They do not work together. They do their own thing. They throw up shots, and it does not work. All right. Oh, I, I, I don't like... I, here's, I just hate talking bad about Russell Westbrook because he has such a strong fan base. And when I talk about Russell Westbrook, I just get attacked. It's not fun. I don't... I, I like the guy. I'm a fan of him. I just don't like trashing him. He just doesn't, he doesn't do it for me. He's a bad superstar. We're gonna sh- I'm going to show you later. There's a, there are a couple of clips that are clearly, Russell Westbrook after a game clearly just is emotional. He lets his emotions take over him. It drives me nuts, man. I really, I just don't get why everyone loves Russell Westbrook so much. All right, I want to I move on. So today's show is going to be really exciting. We're going to talk about Josh Rosen. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. I'm going to explain to you guys why the Browns should pick Sam Darnold over Josh Allen. I, I know that it's going back and forth. I'm not. I'm one of the only people that's not going to trash the Browns if they draft Josh Allen, but I would pick Sam Darnold, and I'm going to explain that today. It's not about. It's not for the reason you think, and, and I think that's what's why this is an interesting topic. I'm going to talk about the Patriots. Why have the Patriots fallen apart? Because I I think it, it's very clear. It points back to one thing, and there's a reason why it happened now and not earlier. That's very interesting. We're going to talk about LeBron James. I'm going to tell you to stay off Twitter, stay off ATVs. There are things that you shouldn't do if you're an athlete, and two athletes have done them, and it has not helped them at all. I want LeBron James to go to Philadelphia. We'll talk about that. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you like this podcast as much as I do, help me grow this show by telling your friends. All right, I'm going to take a little drink of water because you got to have water to live. And uh, wow, it's already been 15 minutes. Okay. All right. I want to say this. So I hate college. I absolutely hate college. At times I really struggle. I'm a broadcasting major. And, And it makes me ask the question, as a broadcasting major, why do I have to take classes like guitar and entomology. Entomology is a study of bugs. Next semester, I literally have to take entomology. Why? Why? How does that help me in my career? How does that matter? Someday, if I'm broadcasting, talking about the Super Bowl, the study of bugs is never going to come up. It doesn't matter. It just it drives me nuts. Why matters to me? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I forced to take these classes? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why matters to me? Why also matters to Josh Rosen? This is how I identify with Josh Rosen. I've been hard on Josh Rosen. I haven't really always been the hottest on Josh Rosen, but I had kind of an epiphany tonight or a couple nights ago. I'm driving home. I drove six hours to Portland from where I live 
and I'm sitting there. It's middle of the night. I'm driving. I'm just my brain's going like crazy. And I was like, man, I kind of get why Josh Rosen feels this way. Because there's this ridiculous narrative out there that Josh Rosen is too smart, which is the most absurd thing I've ever heard, as if you don't want a quarterback to be smart. Josh Rosen is not too smart. It drives me nuts. But I want to point out, why is a culturally unacceptable question in America? You're not supposed to ask why. You're supposed to do your job. No questions asked. It's not culturally acceptable for me to ask, hey, why in the world do I have to take guitar class? Why am I in guitar or entomology? And it's also culturally unacceptable for Josh Rosen to ask, why are we running this play? Why is not a question people like asked. It it drives people nuts. But why is a very important question. It helps people with what they're doing. Some people need to know why. I need to know why. Josh Rosen needs to know why. Josh Rosen's personality is not a bad thing. The closer I look at him, the more I think about him. Josh Rosen's personality is not a bad thing. We act like it is. It's not. So when I played football in college, we would have certain plays where the running back did nothing. And it drove me nuts. I would say, why? What's his job? And, and the coach couldn't answer, what is the running back doing on this play? He couldn't answer. It infuriated me. I would say, what in the world is the running back doing? What is his job? And my coach could not answer the question. I just wanted to understand as the quarterback, if you can understand why a coach is calling a play, it helps you run the play better. It helps you get inside the coach's head. If we know, if you, if you know the coach is calling a play to try to get the ball to a certain guy and to attack a certain part of the defense, it helps you run the play better. So there's this whole narrative. Josh Rosen, he's a millennial. He's too smart. Yada, 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 all kinds of crap. He's too smart. He asks why. He's not supposed to ask why. (sighs) Josh Rosen just wants to be challenged. I I wrote an assignment. I I wrote a paper the other day, a three-page paper. I wrote the paper in 38 minutes. If I can write a paper, get an A, and write it in 38 minutes, that's not making anybody better. That's pointless. That's a waste of time. Josh Rosen wants to be challenged. It has been very clear to me, Josh Rosen does not need football. Josh Rosen comes from a very wealthy family. He went to a private school. He lived in Manhattan Beach. Both of his parents went to Ivy League schools. Some people, even people I know, needed football to get out. They needed football to get away from where they live to give themselves a better life. Josh Rosen chose football. Josh Rosen did not need football to give himself a better life. Josh Rosen plays football because he loves football. That's a big key. Josh Rosen chose football. He doesn't need football. Josh Rosen chose to play football. And when Josh Rosen asks, why are we running this play? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? It comes from a place of passion. Josh Rosen simply loves football. Football. It just, I don't understand why we've turned Josh Rosen's personality into a bad thing. As if him asking, hey, why are we running this play? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? It's not a bad thing. You know, we saw Baker Mayfield do a shirtless picture for a magazine the other day. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I would have said, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we, why are we taking a shirtless picture right before the draft? Does that maybe seem like a bad idea? I don't know. But I, I, asking why is not necessarily a bad thing. I look at Josh Rosen. I see a kid who's obsessive like Peyton Manning. He asks why because he wants to know. 
I remember watching Josh Rosen at the Elite 11. And, you know, the Elite 11 is where the top quarterbacks in all the nation get together. They work with Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, former Super Bowl winning quarterback, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. I will never forget Josh Rosen talking back to Trent Dilfer. This scared me forever. It really worried me. Uh, Well, Trent Dilfer, the head coach of Elite 11, he says he believes in Josh Rosen. He's not even bothered by that. They've put it on it's water under the bridge. They're not worried about it. If Trent Dilfer is not worried about Josh Rosen, why should I be? My whole reason for being worried about Josh Rosen was tied into that incident with Trent Dilfer. And if he's not worried, I shouldn't be worried. Here's what drives me nuts. I understand there are some concerns with Josh Rosen when it comes to injuries. Maybe he'll get hurt. He's had concussions, yada, yada. But do not tell me Josh Rosen's too smart. That is stupid. It drives me nuts. I don't get it. I don't like it. It, it really, really don't. Don't tell me he's too smart. Don't tell me he's bad because he's asking why. Why and too smart. That's, those are absurd criticisms. Don't tell me you, you don't want your quarterback to be too smart. Don't tell me you don't want your quarterback asking why. That is how you learn. That's how you get better. Why is a very important question. All right. I want to stay on this idea that I hate college because I do. Ah, oh, my God. I hate school so much. I'm, I'm close to being done. We have about a week and a half left. I, uh, I have one final left, and that's it. After that one final, I'm completely done with school. I can't wait. I, I had all my finals on Friday. I had Last Friday, I had four papers and three finals all on the same day. <sighs> it, was, uh, it was hell, basically. But we're done. It's over. We're through it. I'm ready to move on. I, I'm almost done. I'm getting ready to get out of this room, this tiny little room I make videos out of. I'm excited. But I want to I talk about this. I had a, a run-in with a professor. I was, I was infuriated because I hate when people waste my time. I'm going to explain to you a, a scenario with one of my professors. So in this class I'm in, my professor gets up to the front of class. He reads from a PowerPoint. He also posts the PowerPoint online. So I kind of wised up because every Friday, every other Friday, he says, we're going to do a quiz from the PowerPoints. And I got smart. I said, why am I going to the classes that don't have a PowerPoint? I'll just read the PowerPoint online. And I would follow every, I would follow the class online. I'd only show up on the days to take quizzes. My worst quiz score is eight out of 10. I'm killing it in this class. Well, my professor emailed me. If you don't start coming to class, I'm going to fail you. Oh, it makes me angry. Like it really it infuriates me because I don't need to go to class. There's no point. You post everything online. I kill the quizzes. Why do I have to be physically in class? But whatever, I didn't, I, I didn't get angry to him. I owned up to it. I said, you know, you, you know what? I'll do whatever you want. I did my very best to not burn any bridges because I know this professor is the chair of my program. And even though I think he's wasting my time, even though I think this professor is dead wrong, I did what he wanted because I don't want to ruin future relationships. I was very careful not to burn bridges. I never know when I might need his recommendation or I need his help, this or that. He's a chair of my program. I, I can't mess with him. So I'm not perfect, but I definitely, I think, handled the situation better than Baker Mayfield would have. Here is how Baker Mayfield handled a recent situation. Because I, I love Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's Incredible. He's like Braveheart. He's got this moxie. He's awesome. 
But Baker Mayfield sure does make it hard to like him sometimes. It drives me nuts. So Baker Mayfield had an interview with the Chargers recently. And the Chargers asked Baker Mayfield, hey, we're going to meet with you. Coming into the meeting, study this playbook. Here's a playbook. They pop it down. They give him a playbook. They say, Baker, study this playbook. And uh, Baker Mayfield didn't. Baker Mayfield did not prepare for the interview. He did not study the playbook that the Chargers gave him. And I, I kind of, I kind of get it. You know, Baker Mayfield said he wasn't, he was not prepared for the meeting. He showed up. He still went, but he was not ready. And, and Baker Mayfield explained his reasoning with this. Baker Mayfield said, "Well, uh, since they're not a top five pick, there's no chance I'm going there. I don't want to waste my time studying their playbook. I got other stuff to do. I got a lot on my plate." And, and I get it, right? The problem is you don't want to burn bridges. You do not want to burn bridges. You know, once upon a time, my brother died. He took his life. I dropped out of college. It was really hard for me. I went and worked at a car place. And I did not want to work at this car place. It was awful. It was rough. Not what I want to do. But when I left that job, I went to LA. Then I went back to college. When I left that car place job, I was very careful not to burn any bridges, not to ruin my relationship with my boss. And now this summer, I'm going back to my hometown. I'm actually working weekends at this car place because, you know, no offense, YouTube doesn't make enough money. And so I'm working there this summer. So Baker Mayfield made a big mistake. He may not be going to the Chargers, but you never know what the future holds. It's just not smart to make enemies. It's not smart to burn bridges and hurt relationships. You never know what's going to happen to the Chargers coaching staff. Maybe a coach moves or may maybe Baker Mayfield I hate to say this, but maybe Baker Mayfield completely fails in New York. Then maybe, guess what? Maybe Baker Mayfield needs a second opportunity and the Chargers, because they had a bad experience with him, the Chargers won't want to give it to him. Do not burn bridges, everybody. It's not smart. It's a bad idea. Even if the person's dead wrong, even if they're wasting your time, like my professor was, don't. Keep your cool. Keep a good relationship. Do not burn bridges. It's not smart for the future. And now Baker Mayfield has kind of a mark on his back because coaches talk. There's a whole saying around the league, football's family. It's not just in the NFL. It's everywhere. Football's family. I know a lot of people that are coaches in high school and in college. They get all their jobs because they know people. The quarterback coach at Lewis and Clark before me, before I was there is now he works at UCLA because he knew the head coaching staff there. He worked with them. The point of that is all to say that the reason why you don't want to hurt personal relationships, you never want to make a bad impression, is because people talk all over the place. Maybe the Jets love Baker Mayfield, but now a team that may, might have liked him is scared off of him. Because the Chargers, don't forget the Chargers are in the same division as the Denver Broncos. I'm sure they talk. I'm sure that they talk. I think there's a funny ending to this story. When Baker Mayfield said, Baker Mayfield said the reason he did not study the playbook was because... He had a lot on his plate. He said, no offense, but I got a lot on my plate. I can't study the playbook. So when reporters asked the Chargers general manager, Tom Teslico, what he thought, Tom Teslico, the Chargers general manager, responded with this. Uh, I'm probably not prepared to comment on this. <laughs> my plate's pretty full. <laughs> I love that. Don't burn bridges in life. It's just not smart. I think Tom Teslico, the Chargers general manager, was a little bit upset. I thought it was funny. His response was uh, he mirrored what Baker Mayfield said. All right. I want to move on. I, 
what's next? I want to talk about this. I want to show you a clip from Russell Westbrook after he lost Game 3 to the Utah Jazz. And then I'm going to compare that clip to LeBron James after losing his Game 3 playoff series to the Indiana Pacers. So Russell Westbrook lost Game 3. This is how Russell Westbrook reacted. Then LeBron James lost Game 3. This is how LeBron James reacted. So this is Russell Westbrook. He's answering questions on whether or not he was hurt in the fourth quarter because Russell Westbrook played badly in the fourth quarter. And then why Ricky Rubio got so hot in the fourth quarter. I played this clip earlier. Here's the clip. Uh, a lot of shit going on in my body, but that's everybody right now. Uh, you made some shots, um, you know, too comfortable, um, but I'm going to shut that shit off next game, though. Guarantee that. Did you notice what kind of mood Russell Westbrook's in? He's angry. He's cussing. He's got all this ego. That, I don't like that. That turns me off. You know, he says, I'm going to shut down Ricky Rubio tomorrow. That, that does not get me excited. That's not how I want the face of my franchise acting. I, I just don't think Russell Westbrook presents. If Russell Westbrook was my franchise quarterback, uh, I, I know this is basketball, not football, but the face of your franchise, I want that guy to present really well, to be a good role model. Cussing, I don't like that. And, and the ego, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I, I want you to listen to LeBron James. LeBron James has asked kind of a weird question. He's asked how he will help his role player teammates play above their pay grade. I want you to take a listen. Listen to the contrast between Russell Westbrook when he's angry from losing and LeBron James when he's frustrated from losing. Take a listen. What are you guys looking for? You guys think I'm going to throw my teammates under the bus? Is that what? That's what no, I'm, I'm not about that. Guys, I just got to play better, including myself. I had six turnovers a night. I was horrible in the third quarter, couldn't make a shot. Um, you know, if I'm making some better plays in the third quarter, then the lead don't slip. So, you know, we know um, we all got to play better as a collective group. You know what I noticed when I watched that clip? LeBron James owns it. LeBron James owns, I got to be better. He, he doesn't, look, I understand there's going to be criticism because I cut out two clips and I, I'm... I'm not trying to make Russell Westbrook look bad. I know that might be how it looks. But I think the way LeBron responded, LeBron says, look, I got to be better. He doesn't throw anybody under the bus. That's the guy I want as the face of my franchise. Look, I'll put links to the full interviews in the description below. I'm not not trying to piece out certain clips to make Russell Westbrook look bad and make LeBron James look good. That's not what I'm trying to do because I can't fit a full four-minute interview into this podcast. But I, I, I looked it up on YouTube and on Google. I cannot find a clip of Russell Westbrook anywhere ever taking ownership for a loss on all of YouTube. There's never a clip saying, my bad. I, I typed in, I typed in Russell Westbrook takes blame. It's not there. I looked at a bunch of Russell Westbrook interviews. Russell Westbrook is always defensive. He's protecting his ego. I'm not trying to trash Russell Westbrook. It may seem like that. I'm not. But LeBron James is more emotionally mature than Russell Westbrook. It seems like Russell Westbrook will not own his own shortcomings. I want your opinion. Am I wrong on this? I'm going to talk about this again tomorrow. I'm curious because it seems like Russell Westbrook always avoids blame. He's, He's so afraid of protecting his persona. I'm this big bag. Russell Westbrook, you can't mess with me. If you do, if you score on me, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I did. Ricky Rubio. I'm going to talk bad about you. I'm going to get you back and 
I just, I don't know. I don't get the Russell Westbrook hype. I really don't. I'm sorry to have two topics on this podcast talking about Russell Westbrook. I don't really like him, but I just, oh, I, I don't get it. I'm not even, it's not that I don't like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is a joy to watch. I don't dislike him, but I separate my feelings for him versus what I objectively see from him. And what I objectively see from him is not good. I, I think I, maybe it's possible. I'll give you guys the benefit of the doubt. It's possible I let my personal feelings interfere, but can we all agree a lot of other people let their personal feelings go too far the other way? I'm just trying to balance out the pendulum. Some people are like, Russell Westbrook is the best thing since sliced bread. His triple doubles are amazing. And I think I'm, I'm on the other side of it, but I'm not, I'm not trying to trash him. I don't like him. I don't hate him as a person. He's a cool dude. I'd love to hang out with him. I would not want to play with him on the same basketball team. He wouldn't pass ever. I, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know that I would want to play with Russell Westbrook. I think Russell Westbrook is more concerned with Russell Westbrook than he is with winning games for his team. I think that showed last night. Playing Ricky Rubio. He was guarding his ego. He was protecting himself to make himself look good rather than worrying about actually winning the game. Because once again, Russell, scoreboard, it didn't work. All right. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep keep going off on Russell Westbrook. It's not what I want to do. I don't hate the guy. It's just, it's not good. It's not good at all. So to me, valuable in sports has always been measured by what do you bring to the team? How important is your performance to your team winning? If your team could win without you, you're not very valuable. Like, so me, the most valuable thing in my bedroom, I, I don't measure it on price. What's the most valuable thing in this room right now? Because I have an expensive camera, fancy lights, nice microphone. But I can do, here's the thing. I can do a show without lights, without a fancy mic, without a fancy camera. The most important thing in this room is my computer. The most valuable thing to this show is probably me and my computer. Because he can't do it without me. Um, In game two between the Rockets and the Timberwolves, the Rockets won 102 to 82. The Rockets won by 20 points. Houston Rockets won the game by 20 points. James Harden was two for 18 shooting. He did have 12 points because he made seven free throws. But he was two for eight, two for 18 shooting. James Harden had an awful day shooting. What's that average out to? Two for 18. Let's let's figure that out. Two divided by 18 is no no way. Two divided by 18. It's 11%. James Harden shot 11% and his team won by 20 points. And yet, for some reason, people want to give this guy the MVP. I want to point to the Pacers-Cavaliers game two. LeBron James scores 47 points. He plays like an alien, like a superhuman, like nothing we've ever seen. And the Cavs barely won the game. LeBron James almost scored half of his team's points. LeBron James scored 47 points. The Cavaliers only won 197. LeBron James is incredible, and yet his team barely wins. While James Harden can have a bad game, can only score 12 points, can shoot 11% on the game, and his team still won by 20 points. And yet you want to tell me James Harden is... Clearly, absolutely the most valuable player in the NBA. What? 
How is he more valuable than LeBron James? If you take LeBron James off of the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers cannot win. They can't do it. Yeah, LeBron, James Harden somehow, he's the MVP, clearly. No, uh, the Rockets don't even need James Harden to show up. The Rockets could have James Harden take the game off, shoot two free throws the entire game, and they'd still win. And yet, LeBron James cannot win. The Cavaliers cannot win a game without LeBron James. LeBron James is carrying his team. And yet, you're going to tell me he's not MVP? Give me a break. I just don't understand. I don't get the logic anymore. It's like me saying, you know what? This water bottle, this is the most important thing to this podcast. No, it's not. It hel- I drink water from it sometimes. It helps. But I could still do a full show without this water bottle. The computer can't do a show without the computer. Not at all. It's recording my audio. I cut it together. That's how I put it on YouTube. The computer is the most valuable thing in this room. LeBron James is the most valuable player in the National Basketball Association. You can't argue with me. I don't know. What's your argument? Why is James Harden MVP and not LeBron James? I don't get it. Because valuable, most important, you can't win without him. That is 100% without a shadow of a doubt. That is LeBron James. All right. I'm going to take, give me, I, I need a short break. I need to, I need to relax. I need to get myself together. We're going to talk about when I come back, we're going to talk about the Patriots. We're going to talk about why the Browns should draft Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen. I'm going to tell you guys why you should stay off Twitter. I want LeBron James to go to Philadelphia. We're going to talk about the 49ers and kind of why I have so much confidence in the 49ers drafting on Thursday. I'm very excited. I think the 49ers, I'm very confident in their drafting experience. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Share this with your friends. If you really want to help me grow the podcast, tell your friends about this show. It'll help me grow. I really appreciate it. My name is Ash Schaumler. I will be right back. I want to be very candid about something. Whenever I take a break and come back, my fear is that I am ranting. And I don't want to rant. I want to be very careful with my words because everything I say kind of builds my reputation. If I say something dumb without reasoning, without a belief, without an, an explanation, it doesn't work very well. It hurts my reputation. And I want to be very careful because I, I'm i afraid. I don't know that this show is going particularly great. It's going okay. Good, not ter- good, not great. And good, not terrible. But, you know, I was really discombobulated when I, I prepared my podcast yesterday. I had everything lined up. And I got a knock on my door. Said, "You got to got to take a break. Can't do it tonight. Got to do it. Got to wait till tomorrow." And that really, kind of my whole podcast got rearranged, got shuffled. I'm not following really notes. I'm kind of just saying what I think and following loose notes because I had to rewrite a lot this morning. My point is, I try to give you guys quality over quantity, but I couldn't wait another day. I, I could not sit around. I took almost a week off because of finals and being sick and moving and yada yada. I hope this is going well. I don't know if it is, but I know tomorrow's show is going to be fantastic. I've got a lot of prep for that one. I try to be very careful. I try to prep everything I say because I don't want to say dumb stuff, baseless stuff. That's why I make fun of ESPN and other radio hosts. They waste your time. They say crap that doesn't matter, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to fill time. I don't want to rant. I want to give you quality over quantity. So I don't know how the show is going, but I want to be very clear. 
that's my goal. That's how my objective with this show is to not waste your time, give you something worth listening to. I want to go into this. I I look at last season for the Patriots, and I look at what happened to them. The Patriots lost the Super Bowl. And this is the third Super Bowl the Patriots and Tom Brady with Bill Belichick have ever lost. And the first two Super Bowls were very different. The first two Super Bowls the Patriots lost, there was a reason for the why they lost. There was always a David Tyree catch, a crazy play the Giants made. This Super Bowl for the Patriots did not have one of those plays. And what we saw after this Super Bowl was the Patriots kind of fell apart. All these rumors came to be. The Patriots got rid of players. There's all reports of division in the Patriots locker room. So why was this loss harder for the Patriots than other losses? Because, again, there was not a scapegoat. There was not something to blame. When, when you lose the way the Patriots did to the Giants with that crazy David Tyree catch— that's easier to shove off. Say, oh, you know what? The reason why we lost is because of that ridiculous play. It's nobody's fault that crazy play happened. The way the Patriots lost to the Eagles, there was not a crazy play. There was not this. There was not that. So then the question is, who do you blame? Who is at fault? Why did the Patriots lose the Super Bowl? And who you blame? We've seen it unravel teams before. We saw the Seattle Seahawks when they lost to the Patriots because of that interception on the one-yard line, that tore the team apart. There was division in their locker room for years after that because of Daryl Bevel's play call, because of Russell Wilson's throw. I believe Richard Sherman still blames Russell Wilson to this day for why he does not have another Super Bowl ring. And I get it. But who you blame is a big deal. Who's to blame for the Patriots' loss against the Eagles? Well, everyone points to... Bill Belichick benching Malcolm Butler. Everyone says, you know, because Bill Belichick decided not to play their starting corner, Malcolm Butler, that is why the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. If you don't remember, Malcolm Butler started all year. He was the hero of the previous Super Bowl with the Seahawks. He actually caught that Russell Wilson interception. So the question is, was Bill Belichick's decision to bench Malcolm Butler Is that actually the reason why they lost? Is Bill Belichick to blame? Because who to blame matters. Everybody, again, that's why the Patriots are unraveling. When you have a scapegoat, when you can say, well, it's David Tyree. There's a crazy play. You know, that's excusable. But when you just get beat, then it comes into question. Why did we get beat? Whose fault is it? So Patriots, two starting corners all year were Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler. Stephon Gilmore played great in the Super Bowl. Stephon Gilmore was targeted six times. He only allowed three catches for 19 yards and had one pass breakup. So the question is, for me, who replaced Malcolm Butler? Did Malcolm Butler's replacement play awful? Was it really, did it really have a big impact or not? Mostly Eric Rowe is who replaced Malcolm Butler, but there were also two other guys. Jordan Batamosi, sorry, Johnson Batamosi and Jordan Richards. Jordan Richards sometimes replaced him. He's really a safety. So three guys went into the Super Bowl and played instead of Malcolm Butler. So in the Super Bowl, on third down, Nick Foles was six for seven with 137 yards when he targeted the three guys, Eric Rowe, Johnson Batamosi and Jordan Richards. 
That's astounding. What that means is on third down, Nick Foles was directly throwing at the people who were in the game for Malcolm Butler. So yes, in other terms, Nick Foles' success in the Super Bowl was partially because he was targeting the weakness in the Patriots' defense, which was the fact that Malcolm Butler was not in the game. Because Malcolm Butler was not in the game, they were directly throwing at that position in big situations. It's not hard to figure out. You know, you top the bet. If, if the Patriots bench their best player in the Super Bowl, and then a backup quarterback for the Eagles just lights it up. Nick Foles was 28 for 43, 373 yards, three touchdowns, and an interceptions. The Patriots bench their best corner, their best defensive back, one of their top defensive players. And a backup quarterback throws almost 400 yards on them. You know, you put two and two together, it's not bad. And Brady had over 500 yards. Brady threw for 505 yards. So from Tom Brady's perspective, he did his job. So Tom Brady blames Bill Belichick. Tom Brady says, look, I had the offense up and down the field all day. And the defense could not stop Nick Foles. I kind of get it. I kind of get why Tom Brady feels this way. Tom Brady doesn't want to take the blame. But I think it's important never, ever forget. With four minutes left in the game, Tom Brady had the ball with the chance to take the lead. And Tom Brady fumbled. Never forget. You can argue all you want. You can say, well, you know, pressure, it's not really his fault, yada, yada. Tom Brady had the ball. He had a chance to take the lead, even though the Patriots gave up a record amount of yards, had a record, they played terrible on defense. Tom Brady stole the ball with a chance to take the lead, and Tom Brady did not make it happen. And yet, Tom Brady blames Bill Belichick. Everybody blames Bill Belichick. The locker room in the Patriots is now divided. And the reason is because there was no scapegoat. There was no crazy moment. There was no David Tyree catch. No Mario Manningham ridiculous catch. There's no singular moment to blame other than a coaching decision to bench Malcolm Butler. Even though I think you can blame Tom Brady fumbling. Hey, Tom Brady had the ball. Didn't make it happen. Tom Brady's not going to take the blame for that. He's 40 years old. He's, he was literally the NFL MVP. He had 505 yards. No one wants to take the blame. And I just, that is why the Patriots are unraveling. Why the third Super Bowl loss, not the first Super Bowl loss, not the second Super Bowl loss, the first two Super Bowl losses for the Patriots had scapegoats. They had things, you could blame the David Tyree catch. You could blame Mario Manningham's catch. You can blame these ridiculous plays the Giants made. When you just get beat, there's nothing you can blame other than, it must have been a coaching failure, it must have been this, must have been that. That's the undone, undoing of the Patriots. They should not worry about blame. They just got to move on. The Patriots don't move on from last year's Super Bowl. They're never going to get back. You can't worry about last year. Why are you looking backwards? Look ahead. And it seems like right now the Patriots are not looking ahead. That is a huge problem with the Patriots. It's not good. It's very concerning to me. I just watched a movie called Legally Blonde. It sounds ridiculous, I know. I thought it was a dumb movie about sororities. It's really a movie about being independent, not looking back, but looking ahead. 
And that is what the Patriots need to do. The Patriots need to stop looking behind them and simply look ahead. All right. There are, there are some things that go on in sports that I just don't understand. Athletes do dumb things. Things that I just will never, never really support. I just, I don't get it. The lesson from this segment is don't tweet negative stuff. Just don't be negative on social media. And for the love of God, be smart. Don't ride ATVs if you're a first-round draft pick. Just don't do it. Don't do it. I don't get it. Like, I don't use Twitter very often because to me, it feels like everybody on Twitter is just looking for a reason to be after you. They're like, let's, let's comb through everybody's tweets. Let's find something wrong he said, something bad he said, and try to ruin his career. That's how it feels to me. Twitter seems like it's out to get you. So my advice for any up-and-coming athlete, do not tweet negative stuff. Just don't do it. Use Twitter as a tool. Twitter, Instagram, all of social media. It's a tool that you can use to promote yourself. Just don't be negative. Don't try to make jokes. Don't try to make personality. A guy I know, Colin Moriarty, lost his job because he made a dad joke. He said on International Women's Day, he said, hashtag a day without a woman. He said, ah, peace and quiet. Hashtag a day without a woman. He tried to make a joke. It backfired. He lost his job. Do not be negative on social media. So Josh Rosen's arguably the most talented quarterback in the entire NFL draft. Once upon a time on Instagram, on social media, Josh Rosen posted a picture at a golf course that said F Trump. I'm, I'm censoring that. You know what he said. He said F Donald Trump. And my, my opinion on politics has always been politics divide people. Don't do it. Don't talk about politics. But just the bigger lesson is don't be negative on social media. It's not that hard because now NFL owners are considering not drafting Josh Rosen. But not for football, not because of a football reason, a reason completely unrelated to football because they're afraid they can't keep him in check. They're afraid he's going to go off, say ridiculous things, do his own thing. Because Josh Rosen said negative things on Twitter, on Instagram, on social media, because Josh Rosen said negative things on social media, he now might not have a job for a reason completely unrelated to football because of something negative he said on social media. Just don't do it. Do not say bad stuff on social media. I don't get it. I don't understand. People do it all the time. They're trashing each other. They're trying to make jokes. If you're trying to be a public figure, don't make jokes on Twitter. Don't do it. It hurts you. It hurts your job. Even if you're not trying to be a public figure, when you apply for a job, they look you up. They look up things you say. If you're talking bad about your old boss, they're not going to hire you. And that takes me to Malik McDowell. Malik McDowell was a second round draft pick for the Seattle Seahawks last year. He was the first person selected by the Seattle Seahawks in last year's NFL draft. He's a defensive tackle from Michigan State, and Malik McDowell is expected to be released. And that's because before he could start training camp last year, in early July, Malik McDowell got into an ATV accident. And we now know that Malik McDowell had extensive brain injury and eye trauma. I admit, this is a sad, sad story. This breaks my heart. You never want to hear about a young athlete getting hurt. 
But I got to say, I got to point out, if this was avoidable, Malik McDowell's injury was avoidable. If you are a top draft pick, if you are a big deal, if you're an athlete, just wait 10 years. Ride an ATV when you're 33 and retired and not in the league. You try. Who's the guy? What's his name? Jason Pierre-Paul. Playing with fireworks, blew off some of his fingers. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself in positions that jeopardize your career, that jeopardize your future? Don't ride ATVs. Don't play with fireworks. Don't say bad stuff on social media. It's not that hard. I don't get, I just don't understand why we see the same thing over and over and over again. People still say bad stuff on social media. They get themselves in trouble. People still ride ATVs. They still play with fireworks. Don't do it. Don't do things that potentially jeopardize your career. Don't say bad stuff on social media. Don't write ATVs. Don't play with fireworks. I don't think that's very complicated. If you're an up-and-coming athlete, don't do those things. They're just not smart. They potentially could ruin your career. All right. So there's a rumor that the Cleveland Browns are going to draft Josh Allen, the Wyoming quarterback, number one overall. Look, I've said I will not trash the Cleveland Browns if they draft Josh Allen. I'll be the only person in the world that's going to say, you know what? I accept it. I'll take it. I'll move on. And part of that is because the decision maker in Cleveland, John Dorsey, has a history of choosing big arms. He likes the big-armed quarterback with a lot of potential. You know, he drafted Patrick Mahomes, and then he sat Patrick Mahomes for an entire year. But if I am the Cleveland Browns, I'm not going to draft Josh Allen number one overall. I'm going to draft Sam Darnold. Here's why. Hugh Jackson, the Browns head coach, is one and 31 in the last two years. He is one and 31. One win, 31 losses in his time as the Cleveland Browns head coach. So I have to ask you, how many wins does Hugh Jackson need next year to keep his job? Five, I think, I think five games, roughly five games. If Hugh Jackson doesn't win five games next year, he's out. He's fired. So the current plan, if the Browns draft... Josh Allen. They have Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor will be their starting quarterback. And so it still it reminds me kind of of what the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. The Kansas City Chiefs <clears throat> drafted Patrick Mahomes, this big armed quarterback, tons of upside, and then they let him sit for an entire year. They played Alex Smith, and then when the season was over, they traded Alex Smith. Now their guy is Josh Allen. And everybody kind of believes that's what the Browns are going to do. The Browns are going to draft Josh Allen. They're going to play Tyrod Taylor all year. And then they're going to play Josh Allen next year. But I must ask the question. Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith, are they the same player? Eh, No, not, not really. No, they're not. I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's scrappy. I think he can win some games in this league. But Alex Smith is a tier two quarterback. Alex Smith could win you a Super Bowl. Tyrod Taylor, I don't think, could win you a Super Bowl. I don't think he's that level quarterback. I would not put my faith in Tyrod Taylor. Because here's the thing. So I think Hugh Jackson needs to win five games to keep his job. 
And that means he's got to rely on Tyrod Taylor to win him five games, which could happen. It could happen. But what if they don't? What if Tyrod Taylor struggles? What if Tyrod Taylor gets hurt? The point is, if Josh Allen has to play at all next year, he will not be ready. Josh Allen, in my opinion, needs to sit for a year. He needs to have a year off. If anything happens to Tyrod Taylor or if Tyrod Taylor struggles, there's going to be pressure from the top down to play Josh Allen. The Browns are going to draft Josh Allen with the number one overall pick. Are you telling me he's going to sit all year for 17 weeks and not play a single snap like he should? That's what he should do. He's not ready. There's no way that happens. No way that happens. And that's why I would draft Sam Darnold. Look, Josh Allen, in my opinion, the Wyoming quarterback, Josh Allen looks great in shorts. He's six whatever, has a huge cannon for an arm. He looks great in shorts. He looks like Tarzan. At times, he plays like Jane. He might have the cannon, but he can't hit the broad side of a barn. I know that makes people angry. I don't really care. He's not that accurate. He struggles with accuracy. He didn't have a great week at the Senior Bowl. He had a good game, not a great week of practice. He's not precise. He's not ready to play. I would draft Sam Darnold, even if, even if Josh Allen has a higher ceiling, even if Josh Allen has more potential, I would draft Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold can actually start games for you next year. If Tyrod Taylor struggles, if Tyrod Taylor gets hurt, you can put in Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's ready to play. If you put in Josh Allen next year, you're going to ruin him. You're going to hurt. Remember what happened when you played Deshaun Kaiser last year? This Deshaun Kaiser and Josh Allen are very similar quarterbacks. Huge arms. All this potential in the world, and yet they couldn't actually play. And I think if it's possible that if the Cleveland Browns had given Deshaun Kaiser a year off, a year to learn, a year to prepare, he could have been ready. But they rushed it. And I just don't buy that you're going to pick a quarterback with the number one overall pick, and he's not going to play at all in the first year. If Hugh Jackson wants to keep his job, he should draft Sam Darnold. That is why I would draft Sam Darnold over Josh Allen, because Sam Darnold is ready to play now. Josh Allen is not. And when push comes to shove, at some point, Josh Allen is going to need to come off the bench if he's drafted by the Browns and play. You're not going to draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick and not play him. Remember what happened when Jared Goff was drafted number one overall by the Rams and the Rams waited till week 13 to play him. And all we heard all year, what's wrong with Jared Goff? Why isn't Jared Goff playing? What's wrong with him? It's going to happen again. I, I know the narrative is Josh Allen needs to sit. But Josh Allen, there's no way he sits an entire year. He's going to come in, he's going to play, and he's not ready. It's going to hurt his career. It's going to hurt potential for... Because Hugh Jackson's not going to win games with Josh Allen next year. He's just not ready. My opinion. I would draft Sam Darnold. Because if I'm Hugh Jackson, I want to keep my job. I want to get a quarterback who can actually play next season. I would not waste my time drafting Josh Allen over Sam Darnold. God, Cleveland fans are going to be mad. Cleveland fans are going to be so angry with me. I, I, I just don't care anymore. Like I just don't. I don't care. I say what I want. I do what I want. I talk about things I want. I guess you can't worry about hate. That's the thing. You can't. You can't live your life 
always stop trying to worry about what the haters are going to say. You can't live your life worrying about angry comments on YouTube because I know no matter what I say, I'm going to get angry comments on YouTube. Screw it. I'm just going to talk. I'm going to say what I believe. Here's something I really strongly believe. We have two topics left. We're going to talk a little bit about LeBron James and we're going to talk about the 49ers. Can we do that? I think we can. I really, really want to see LeBron James play next year for the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to see LeBron James in Philadelphia for a number of reasons. It would be incredible television. It would be awesome. It would be exciting. We already have, so in my opinion, Joel Embiid is maybe the best television in the NBA right now. He's fun. He's got the mask. People trying to step on it, yada, yada. It's entertaining. He says what he wants. He speaks out. He's not afraid of the media. Joel Embiid's incredibly entertaining. Just imagine adding LeBron James to that Philadelphia 76ers team. So first of all, we could literally see LeBron James pass the torch to Ben Simmons. I, I would love to see that. It would be a ton of fun to see like LeBron James mentoring Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, and helping them possibly win a championship. God, that would be incredible. That'd be awesome. The second reason I really want to see LeBron James with the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference is we could see an incredible rivalry. Just imagine the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. They're already a great rivalry anyways. It's already going to be fun. You're going to have Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Jason Tatum next year with the Celtics. So you know there's the Kyrie-LeBron James drama. Imagine if LeBron James went to Philadelphia. Think about it. Kyrie versus LeBron in the Eastern Conference. Again, you'd have LeBron James, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, a guy, young guy learning. Maybe, I don't know if J.J. Redick would stick around. Maybe J.J. Redick. It would be awesome. It'd be fun. The 76ers would have a chance at a championship. I'm a LeBron James fan. I want to see LeBron James win another championship. And it would be so cool if he did that in Philadelphia. It'd be fun to watch. they dominate. It'd, it'd be great because we'd have, we'd have an Eastern Conference rivalry, the Celtics and the 76ers, and a Western Conference rivalry, the Warriors and the Rockets. I do not really want to see LeBron James in the West because then you have one really good team out East, an okay team with the 76ers out East, and then two good teams and whatever team LeBron James is on in the West. It wouldn't be as equally distributed throughout the league. So I want LeBron James in Philadelphia. However, I have no faith that will ever, ever happen. I do not believe LeBron James will end up in Philadelphia. I want to ask you guys a question. When Colin Cowherd left ESPN, Colin Cowherd left ESPN and quit his job. Why didn't he go work for Dan Patrick? I mean, first of all, they don't like each other, right? That's a big part of it. But the other reason is you can't have more than one top dog. You, can you ever imagine Colin Cowherd and Dan Patrick sharing a show? No. Heck no. That's not how it works. That's not what you do. I just don't see a world where, especially this, especially if the 76ers make it to the championship this year and they lose, LeBron James definitely will not join the 76ers. But I cannot see a team led by Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is the guy in Philadelphia. You think LeBron James is just going to come in and make it his franchise? That's Ben Simmons' franchise. That's Joel Embiid's franchise. LeBron James is not going to come into their franchise and rule, run it his way. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. 
I just, I just, I do not see any situation where LeBron James, the top dog in the NBA, goes to the 76ers where Ben Simmons is top dog. It doesn't work. Dan Patrick, Colin Coward, they can't have a show together. LeBron James, Ben Simmons, they're not going to play together. I, look, I hope it happens. If I'm dead wrong, I would love that. God dang, to see LeBron and Ben Simmons play together would be unbelievable. But I do not think it happens. There's no way it happens. Espe- again, especially if they lose the championship. Because then he's just going to do exactly what Kevin Durant did. The Warriors lost the championship. Kevin Durant joins them. They win one. If, if LeBron James does the exact same thing that this Kevin Durant did, he will get crucified. He will not do that. He's not going to follow and do the same thing Kevin Durant did. I believe LeBron James is going to the Lakers. There's nothing sexy about winning a championship with the Philadelphia 76ers. If you win a championship with the Lakers, you're a god. You're immortalized. Or even if you bring them back to winning games, you're still a legend. You're still an icon in L.A. I want to ask you guys a question. I know I've been asking a lot of questions this time. When people retire, where do they go? Like often, not, not always, but often when people, if you're going to retire and move somewhere, where are you going to move? You're not going to move to Cleveland. Probably not. You're not going to move to Philadelphia. When old people retire, and, and if they're well off enough to move somewhere, they always move somewhere warm. I think LeBron James is going to retire. He's going to move to L.A., Right off into the sunset with the Lakers. Here's another another piece to this. I honestly believe Paul George is a better fit with the 76ers than LeBron James is. Paul George is a great shooter. He's a better shooter, in my opinion, than LeBron James. Ben Simmons and Paul George working together would be unbelievable. And Paul George could... He's already been second fiddle all year. He's, he's with Russell Westbrook. It's Russell Westbrook's team. So Paul George can play on a team... That's not his team. So as far as competing egos and competing personalities, I think Paul George fits in better with the 76ers. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Paul George. There's three good options. That's a super team, yada, yada. But also, he's a better shooter than LeBron James. And Ben Simmons can't shoot. I love Ben Simmons. He can't do it. If you give Ben Simmons a shooter like Paul George, who can knock down, he's a spot-up shooter. You can pass him the ball. He can catch and shoot. Ben's, Paul George helps the 76ers, I think, possibly more than LeBron James would next year. But, man, LeBron James, regardless of what you say, there's no chance in hell LeBron James stays in Cleveland. There's no way. Again, once again, I already made the point. People don't move to Cleveland when they retire. They move to warm weather. I don't know if that's a great comparison because I know there's basketball involved, but LeBron James is, I'm so convinced LeBron James is going to L.A. I just think that's what's going to happen. This, this Cavaliers team reminds me of when LeBron James took the 2007 Cavaliers to the NBA championship. Remember when LeBron James got swept by the Spurs? That's kind of what this team feels like. The current Cavaliers team LeBron James is on is absolutely Awful. They're atrocious. LeBron James needs to score 47 points, and they only win by three. LeBron James is carrying this team on his back. This Cavs team is a mess. I 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, believe LeBron James is going to go to L.A. He's going to play for a few years. 
and then ride off into the sunset. He's going to play with Brandon Ingram, maybe Kawhi Leonard, Lonzo Ball. I don't know who they're going to have. But I strongly believe LeBron James and one other star are going to go to L.A. I think it's Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. And I, I really believe that the 76ers are going to get Paul George. Paul George is the best fit with the 76ers rather than LeBron. Again, I would love to see it. I just did a whole opening of this topic. I talked about why I want LeBron James in Philadelphia. I just don't think it's going to happen. All right. We have one thing left. One topic left to talk about. I was was watching videos on my phone before going to sleep the other night. And uh, it was... I was actually watching a video. It was Reuben Foster and the other rookies from the 49ers. 2017 draft class were kind of introducing themselves to 49ers fans. And I'm, I'm realizing, oh my God, those are the, those are the rookies? I, you know, Akilo Witherspoon, George Kittle, Trent Taylor. It just hit me. I was like, oh my God. Last year's 49ers draft class was unbelievable. If you have any concerns about the 49ers drafting, you're stupid. You're dead wrong. I have so much faith in John Lynch. I want to point out, these are the guys John Lynch drafted last year. First first pick the 49ers used, they draft Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas is a starter. Then they picked Reuben Foster. Say what you want. I know he's got off the field issues, but it was still the right pick. He still was a great player. So even though he might have gone wrong after a year, Reuben Foster was still a starter. It's a good pick. So starter, starter, Akilah Witherspoon, starter. C.J. Beathard started a game. C.J. Beathard's a good backup quarterback. He's great. He's good for what he had. He's good for what he is. The 49ers drafted Joe Williams, running back from Utah. He's going to be a starter this year. George Kittle, starter, 43 catches, 500 yards. Trent Taylor, another starting receiver, 43 catches, 430 yards. Look, even the bad picks, even John Lynch's bad picks were able to contribute and make some help the 49ers win games. The seventh round pick, the 49ers chose, they chose Adrian Colbert. He contributed. He started six games. He had five passes defended, one fumble, fumble recovery, and 30 tackles. So that's, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players from last year's draft that started for the 49ers. You can also argue, fine, maybe the 49ers roster wasn't very good, but still, that's a huge, huge accomplishment to get eight players in last year's draft that started games for the 49ers. That's unbelievable. Not even to mention, Peta, the linebacker from Utah, still on the team. DJ Jones had eight tackles last year. Both of those guys are still on the roster. Every single person John Lynch drafted in last year's 49ers draft class is still on the 49ers roster. Last year's 2017 draft class was an absolute home run for the 49ers. I have nothing but belief in John Lynch. I'm excited to see what happens to the 49ers in this year's NFL draft. I think they're going to kill it. They killed it last year. They're going to do it again this year. John Lynch and the 49ers staff, they know what they're doing. I have the utmost faith in the 49ers drafting this year. I'm so excited for them. Again, listen to it. Salma Thomas, Reuben Foster, Akilla Witherspoon, C.G. Beathard, Joe Williams, George Kittle, Trent Taylor, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven starters, plus Adrian Colbert, who started six games. Eight people who started games in last year's NFL draft. That's unbelievable. And all nine guys that the 49ers drafted last year are still on their roster today. 
That's unbelievable. That doesn't happen very often. Seahawks already lost, guys. Rams already lost, guys. It's crazy that the 49ers were able to do that last year. That's pretty much unbelievable. All right, that's all I have. I, uh, I'm excited. Tomorrow's going to be a, a much better podcast. I don't know if... I hope this was interesting. See, my, my goal is to be entertaining. I'm not trying to be incredible. I'm, I'm an okay broadcaster. I'm just trying to be interesting. And I... I got really discombobulated. I was sick. I was a mess. I feel like I've been all over the place. But tomorrow's going to be great. Tomorrow's going to have the Lamar Jackson film breakdown. I'm really excited. It's going to come out late tomorrow. Might might even come out early Thursday morning. But it's still going to be there. We're going to talk in depth about Lamar Jackson. I'm going to do a mock draft leading up to the draft. Um, It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. I've got almost everything prepared for that show already. Because again, it's just been moving like crazy. It's whatever. But... Show will be back tomorrow. It's going to be even better. I'm really excited. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about this show. My name is Alex Schaumler. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys tomorrow. Ba-dum-bum. Bam, we're done.